Uh, did you hear anything? No. No? Oh. Uh, <laughs> 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 wow. You forgot to put the you forgot to plug it in? Yeah. Um <laughs> oh. Can you hear it now? Yep. <laughs> I literally <laughs> I'll tell a funny story. I went to a family graduation yesterday <laughs> and everybody thinks I'm the most tech savvy person. And I just right now, I feel like I just showed how s- silly I am sometimes. <laughs> I didn't even plug in the headphones into the audio recorder so that we can start recording. <laughs> Uh, if you're new to the show, we are two millennial women just talking about, really so far in the first 10 episodes, we're just talking about the things that we think are fucked up about society. And then, you know what? In the next 10 episodes, we can dive more into the details. But for right now, we're just trying to get down to the basics yeah, <laughs> of, of what we think about various issues. In the past, we've had an issue about money, relationships, um, good and evil. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so today we're going to be talking about parenting. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Which is a pretty loaded topic, I would say. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I would say. I think most people would say. Yeah. 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 So I, I'm just going to start off by talking about my parents' parenting style. Um, and then and then we'll get into, you know, some of the juicier stuff. But I, yeah, I would say that my parents were really hands-off in terms of I never really had to go to bed by a certain time. I was never really pressured into doing any particular, like, you know how some, I'm Chinese, and it's like there's a trope of, like, the tiger mom, like, you know, they're trying to get you to play violin or play piano. I I never had anything like that. tiger mom? In fact. Explain this whole concept of tiger mom. Oh, the tiger mom is, like, Amy Chua, I think is the name of the person who wrote a book. I think it was called The Tiger Mom, where she was just talking about her super Chinese parents who would get her to do things and were just hyper-disciplined. And she had to, like, I actually haven't read it, but my assumption is, like, the stereotype is that she had to practice violin every day. She had to get good grades. Like, Mm -hmm. A- is, like, termed an Asian fail. You know, like that kind (laughs) of thing, right? Where she's super, super perpetuating a culture of overachieving children Mm -hmm. um and hate to see it yeah and it's called tiger mom because it's sort of at the expense of their happiness right it's sort of like you're cultivating a product no it's not that's a little like you know harsh but that's basically kind of the mentality right helicopter parents that kind of thing similar okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. now i'm on the same page Uh, my parents like the opposite of that I I did actually end up doing a lot of stuff. Like I played trombone. I like went to soccer camp. I went to horse camp. Whatever. Um, but horse I was camp. Never, yeah, I did go to <laughs> horse camp. What? Actually, it's very out of character for me. Yeah, I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, and it was actually horrible. I had to go and we had to ride these horses like all day in the middle of the blazing heat in the summer. We didn't have any water. Like it's pretty miserable. <laughs> that sounds like it sucks, dude. It sucked. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't have to like you know play violin or anything like that. I actually did play violin. I started when I was in third grade, and I was so bad that my parents paid me to stop playing violin. Ooh, what do you mean they paid you to stop? As in they're like, 
will give you money to not <laughs> play violin anymore because playing someone who doesn't know how to play violin like they sound bad and i then in fifth grade switched over trombone but it doesn't sound nearly as bad to listen have to listen to someone who doesn't know how to play trombone as it is for violin because it's like really squeaky and just like terrible you know it's a very high-pitched instrument yeah i feel like i've said this on the podcast before but like similarly my my parents actually my mom made me us play piano growing up yeah and i always wondered like don't you get annoyed by hearing us play like you're so bad yeah it was like (laughs) i'd be like yeah we were playing piano and then like me and my brother were in the band like good old like shout out to saint michael's catholic school Mm -hmm. (laughs) their band sucked i loved being in the band (laughs) yeah (laughs) the band actually sucked but people really thought we were out here being beethoven or whatever whatever that's totally not a band thing beethoven's piano anyways i don't know people but yeah that was hilarious i'm always like i wish my parents paid me to stop they actually encouraged me to keep going. Like, I felt like I sucked. I feel like we both sucked. Yeah. And they were like, keep doing it. Stick with it. Consistency is key. Well, that's the thing is I don't know to what degree it's considered good parenting. To On the one hand, I'm sure there's a lot of people who think like, oh, well, I'm teaching my kids discipline and how to stick with things. And then I'll be able to, then they'll have this skill in the future and they'll be able to have delayed gratification if they're not immediately good at something, whatever, right? So yeah, maybe, but like, I don't know. Like, but also, know. like, at what point, where's the line where it's like you're just torturing them? That's what I'm saying. It's a very fine line. And I don't think anybody really balances it well. I personally have not seen anybody really balance that line well between like this is something I believe will really be beneficial in shaping and molding my child's future Mm -hmm. versus like this is something that actively upsets my child and maybe I should consider (laughs) not forcing them to do this thing because they're very unhappy. Yeah. (laughs) Like where do you draw that line? Uh, I don't know. I'm not a parent, so I can't really speak to that, but. I I wonder. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just really different for every different person because I'm sure there's some kids who wind up coming around and liking it eventually. And then you feel validated that you made that decision. But I'm sure there's plenty of kids who will never come around. And you don't know when you're initially encouraging them slash letting them stop what what the outcome would have been. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's true, I think, on a broader scale in life right in in life (laughs) like you don't know right and and the thing that I am really curious about is what level I mean everyone has different philosophies around the level of control that you can actually influence your child's life right in terms of maybe they were just going to be a good kid regardless of whether you parented them well or not oh wow okay speak it because I don't know like yeah what what degree is good parenting like important what Mm -hmm. is is it is it important at all yeah at all period I I think that's a really good question I do think it's demonstrably true that kids need parents in their lives yes right but what's a parent as well right what what is a parent what could be considered that's true it's also like you have all these surrogate parents in the sense that you have teachers you have camp counselors I mean a lot of my personality has been shaped by people like that but it's it's kind of like if you are those those are all people who are considered temporary in your life. Yes. And for a specific time frame or exactly. reason. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of sad because I feel like in other eras in history and maybe other cultures now, it's not it's not totally like that, right? You have more surrogate parents. What I really like about my family. Yeah. 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 What is your parents like? So my parents 
like in terms of parenting style, I feel like they were very much, I, I could see where that kind of, because again, I think most people know, but like, right, my parents immigrated here from Ethiopia and there's still like a lot of cultural, um, like just, you know, ways that they operate. Totally cool. Um, and we've been able to, I think, to find a really good blend between Ethiopian and Americanness within our household. I think it's been pretty, pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, I think there was always like a emphasis on doing things, an emphasis on learning new things, an emphasis on gaining new skills, which I very much appreciated. And there was still discipline. Like they were very much like my dad was a disciplineer. My mom was the more, I think, um, <laughs> I think like she catered to more of like the emotional need that me and my siblings required, like, you know, throughout life. Not that my dad didn't, but there was always. That's always how it works. Yeah. Right? There's, there's always just like a split dynamic, I think, between when we have two parents, it's like you can't just be everything, right? Well, like, I guess also specifically like it's a gendered thing. It's not even just if you have uh, two parents, yeah, yeah. if you have a mom and a dad. It tends to fall that mom, way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, shout out to dads that are more emotionally aware, emotionally intelligent, but yeah. I know, I really hope that going forward, we're only going to have more of those. And I think that's probably what is going to happen, because our society is just moving in that direction. I think so. Also, shout out to to Asher, because we just talked about this the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Asher was like... (laughs) Asher's my boyfriend. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. He was over at the house the other day, and we were talking about... um, Or I was like, oh, I really... I look forward to... I enjoy having conversations with men who are very emotionally intelligent, emotionally aware. And then he was like, oh, like... Me. and I was like actually yeah like you well it's literally because he has two moms yeah oh yeah <laughs> that's why right oh he doesn't have a father it, figure yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't have known that if I didn't you know have that context from you and then also from talking being friends with Asher too yeah um, yeah off the street and it makes sense I see it I see it in the way that he lives his life I see right? it in the conversations that we have and the way that he cares himself and I like it yeah <laughs> I'm here for it <laughs> um but yeah, back to my parents. Uh, yeah, very traditional, I think, household. Like, I have three siblings. I'm the oldest. Um, so it, it was also kind of interesting having that dynamic, being the older sibling as well. You kind of take on some parenting if, if your siblings are – if you have a gap between your siblings. Some siblings who are, like, a, a year apart, maybe not so much. But for my siblings, like, my brother's two years younger. My sister's five years younger. Mm-hmm. Um, having more of a gap well, – me and my brother are, like, kind of the same, but going through different – lifestyles I guess like mm-hmm. but between what do you mean by my, lifestyles I mean like life situations yeah yeah like different mm-hmm. life situations mm-hmm. but like I still I consider I don't really consider him my younger brother like some other people would consider them their younger brother that's just my brother mm-hmm. but my sister I mean now it's starting to transition I think once she's hit 18 and now it's transitioning into college which is really exciting for us but yeah um I feel like I also took on a parenting role as the older sibling do you feel like you also have a younger sister yeah, my younger sister, because we're six years apart, we're really not, we didn't have the kind of normal sibling com- competition going on. Um, I taught her her ABCs with like, you know, in the bathtub. And I used these little flashcards and I gave her a mini M&M whenever she got it right. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, and it actually was very effective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's also, I think what's cool about being the older sibling um, in terms of the context of parenting is that you, one, I feel like you tend to, because you understand the parenting style of your parents, you are able to fill in the gaps a lot of ways. At least that's what I found in my experience. Um, If like, you know, because I know my sister and I know her friends and Mm -hmm. I know like the other activities that she does and like we hang out like as friends, right? Like I have another 
kind of avenue or glimpse into what her lifestyle is like and I can tailor the advice that I give her the experiences that I share with her or whatever because I know kind of where she's at in life mm-hmm. and I can identify that from my own and, and plug in where needed um I enjoy that type of parenting style I don't really I don't really like the authoritative parenting style yeah I mean that's literally like my parents had none of that they never like really wielded their hammer of authority on me yeah, yeah. why did they I mean so so like you just, you could just do whatever yeah I could just do whatever that's but also, crazy but also it's wasn't a big deal in the sense that I never had any desire to rebel because there was nothing to rebel against, right? There were no real rules. And so I was never like, oh yeah, I need to go out and like do drugs or, you know, have sex or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was never something that I had a particular obsession over or need to do, which I feel like some kids who have really strict parents have, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely saw that in, in my age group. Um, especially because all my friends too, a lot of my friends who are also Abisha, um, and their parents also immigrated here. Um, and so we're all like just first generation born in the States, figuring out this type of, you know, culture and dynamic on our own is also has also, I think, um, created more of a parenting divide, if you will, at least divide between what and what divide between kids and parents. Oh yeah. Um, then I feel like other, like if you were born in the same culture, like I feel like you, some of that is that gap isn't as wide, mm. if you will. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. Because you just have different expectations based on this other society that right. they weren't raised You have in. different cultural expectations. You have different, like, and a lot of times culture and religion are very tied together, too. Um, You're like, oh, I want a phone. And your parents are like. <laughs> yeah. Or also they, I also find that um, a lot of times parents compare your experience. So like, for me getting a phone, <laughs> this is an example I give all the time with parents and what I will pull out of my back pocket when I tell my dad, like, you're treating us different yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Um, because I feel like my parents really adopted a, we're treating all of our kids the same. You're all equals. Like, da 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 Okay, yeah, we're all equals. We're all the same. We all love each other. Of course. That's a given. We don't have to articulate that in my mind. Um, but what's funny, though, is when times change, like, I couldn't have a phone until high school. My sister, I think, got a phone in, like, I don't know, elementary school? I don't know. Like, my like my siblings had gotten it significantly younger than the, the time that I was able to adopt a phone. But what is, like, and the reasoning I couldn't get a phone earlier was because my dad was like, oh, like, you're too young, or you don't need it, you're not that important, like, da 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 I'm like, what if I get lost? <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> wow. that's what my, my classmates would be like, why don't you have a phone? I'd be like, I don't know, I can't have one. And then my, they would be like, just tell your parents that, you know, like, you know, like, you're not always with them, like, da 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 I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's literally the most important decision you make as a parent in, like, 2019 is when to give your kids a phone in the modern sort of parenting era. And then at what point, right, so as a parent, are you also obligated to educate yourself on what's going on in the world? Right, so there's a big technology era boom that was happening. Okay, so like when people were getting a phone for me, it was like, what, 2006, 2007, 2008 timeframe? That was literally when the iPhone was invented. Right, that's when the iPhone was invented, maybe, right? Is it bad parenting? I'm not going to say bad parenting. There's no such thing as like, I don't think there's such thing as good or bad parenting. Well, we is don't it, even believe in good or bad. We already established we don't, that. We already <laughs> don't believe in good or bad. We already established that on the podcast. I hope if you're an active listener, I hope you already picked that up from us. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, things that don't need to be said, like, yo, roll it like a G. Like, we are good. Like, just <laughs> understand that. So back to the example at hand, though. So for parenting styles with, are you obligated to educate yourself on what's going on, um, like, for other kids as well? Should you be aware of that? So, like, had my parents maybe been more plugged into what my friends 
parents were doing or like the fact that all my friends had phones and I don't, I don't think they believed me. <laughs> they were like, all of your friends don't have phones. And I was like, yes, they do. But it was also like a lack of knowledge on the fact that we're in a big technology era where everybody has a cell phone now in America. Well, if your parents didn't believe you, how would they know that information? Were your parents, were your parents friends with other people's parents? Yeah, not really. Not my friends' parents. Mm-hmm. They yeah, had their my, own friends, yeah. but like not with my school friends' parents. Like they were acquaintances, I think, but not like genuine friends. Yeah, that's like an interesting phenomenon. Like my parents were not like that either, mm-hmm. but I hear of other people's. I hear of other you know parents yeah. becoming friends because their kids are in school together. Yeah, you know? and I feel like that helps you though. You think it's good? I think it's good because you have more of a context of like what's going on in your child's life from another perspective, right? Because their child pres- presumably will be telling their parents about their days as well. You can kind of cross-reference. Okay, this happened, this, this happened, this, da 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 Fill in yeah. the gaps of what you don't know about your kid. Yeah. I think that helps, number one, having context. And two, I just think it helps to know you don't have to listen to them. I'm not saying like they tell you they gave their kid a phone at six mm-hmm. to get your kid a phone at six years old. Like, okay, that's still a little bit ridiculous to me. But what I am saying is, like, just being aware of the timelines of things that are happening, I feel like helps you. It's for your own research, if you will. Well, it's all, yeah, it's all just kind of a parenting, I feel like, is still always going to be a scientific process of yes. just seeing what works with other people, seeing what works now. Because no matter what, even though there's certain, like, whatever time, age old, even though there are certain age-old adages around parenting, the environment that you're raising kids in is always going to be changing, right? And we've never, we have a whole new set of issues having kids grow up as digital natives and that kind of thing, right? And you didn't, you know, you didn't have to worry about doxing or something when you were pre-internet. I was listening to a really interesting episode of the Ezra Klein show the other day. He had a parenting expert on called Alison Gopnik and she wrote this book called Gardeners and Carpenters which is basically around this idea of should you be a carpenter in which you are building basically a child and it's all up to you to create something that is maybe in your image maybe better than you hopefully um, versus a gardener and a gardener is the type of parent that will just basically give a child the environment with which they can most have the most potential and then the idea is that you can just allow them to grow into whatever they want or whatever you don't have to have as much control over the end outcome right Mm -hmm. and one interesting thing that she was talking about was this notion of today there's kind of this crisis I wouldn't yeah I would call it a crisis around over medicating children right and over-diagnosing cases of ADD, ADHD, whatever. Yes, for young children. Yeah. And she had this really interesting point where she was talking about how kids who are constantly getting distracted by things and, you know, are staring out the window and they should be taking a test or something, they are not suffering from attention deficit. They don't have a lack of attention. It's actually that they have too much attention, right? They're paying attention to everything, right? And they can't streamline their attention to only focus on one thing because that's not how children are 
programmed, right? When you're a kid, you have much more of, she calls it explore versus exploit. You have much more of a tendency to explore, right? Because your brain has not yet figured out how to categorize all the information. You constantly have this stream of information coming at you and it's super overwhelming, right? If you just imagine like a baby, right? Never seen anything before. And then you'd have to process this huge wave, like tsunami of information, right? And you're constantly in the process of refining what you think is relevant or most important as you're growing up, right? And so it makes total sense why kids are in this explore phase, right? Where they're constantly, you know, looking at this bug on the ground and you're like, as a parent, it's super annoying because you're like, we well, you have to get to school. <laughs> yeah. Like, you hurry know, up, thing, <laughs> yeah. right? And so the, the opposite of that, well, not necessarily the opposite, but sort of, but adults have this, are more conditioned to exploit, right? In the sense that, you have goals and tasks that you have to accomplish every day, right? And you have to be able to narrow your focus enough to really be able to accomplish those goals, right? So you only pay attention to the information that is most relevant to accomplishing those goals, right? Everyone who has a job, everyone who, you know, needs to like pay their bills has to be able to master that skill, right? And it's directly contradictory to exploring. Yeah. Right? you have to you really narrow your focus into onto this one thing. So basically, the whole concept that she was trying to explain was that we tend to force kids into this exploit mode. Yeah. Instead of allowing them to explore, right? And because we they have to do well on their SATs, they have to be able to do well in school, right? And a lot of that is a little bit artificial because we're expecting them to have these adult modes of of activity when really they're just doing this natural like kid thing to do which is to be all over the place and try to consume as much information as possible right yeah I mean I guess so like I think this is a really good point I think it's a really good conversation and something that needs to be more considered uh by parents high level thinking of how I'm parenting my child in the long term right not just day to day not Mm -hmm. just how are we making it to next week or whatever um and I wonder like should if is it the responsibility it, it, exactly in the same vein that we we're talking about earlier is is it the responsibility to as a parent to be researching what's going on in the world in order to better inform your child is it the responsibility of a parent to also inform themselves of these different right like research that has been done on parenting or looking throughout history like a historical context of how people have been parenting before you become a parent Well, I don't even necessarily think that you have to do research per se, but it's just sort of what it's evaluating. What's your goal, right? As a parent, is your goal to create the perfect capitalist, you know, automaton? Like, is it really kind of, I guess, is your goal to create the perfect worker, you know, because that's, it seems to me like what a lot of current education system and parenting is all about right is getting your kid into a good school so then they can have a successful job and then they can be financially stable right yeah but what about caring if your kid is happy is it your responsibility to ensure that your kid is happy can that be your responsibility i don't think it can because i mean but can you create an environment in which that you have more possibilities i don't know yeah well the thing is, I do think that there is probably a direct trade-off between your kid being happy and being well-prepared 
for society, right? Because who wants, <laughs> yeah. literally who wants because to learn math? Because the world math, sucks. Right? Yeah, yeah, like right. nobody wants to learn math, right? Everyone yeah. wants to play outside. But don't you also think it would be irresponsible for a parent to just let their kids play outside the whole time and never put them in school? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a similar conversation with black parents on how they tell their child how to navigate the world, like due to racism and all that jazz. So I don't know if you're familiar, if the people listening are familiar, but like there's like the talk <laughs> that it's, I think, been coined. Um, well, well, which talk? Are you talking like the sex talk? No, not the sex talk. What are you talking, are you talking this, about? <laughs> this is the like, the world is racist talk. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like, or this very is, different or, talk. <laughs> yeah, very different talk. Or like, right, like don't, like listen to the police talk right mm. where you tell these black and brown children that listen like the world we live in can sometimes be messed up and you need to be careful in how you're navigating it um if you get stopped by police like you just make sure you listen like that these more serious talks that you have with kids who may be younger this might be like late elementary early middle school type of phase or maybe earlier maybe later depending on your parenting style but there there's this big i think like debate on like when to give your child that talk as a black parent, which I think is also really interesting. And or and what I also find more interesting than that is, is it your res- is it your responsibility to protect your child as well from the world? Yeah, the, I think also these are pretty these are pretty unanswerable questions. You know, these are very much so. <laughs> and they're hard. One, I think they're hard to talk about. Um, I think they're just also there's just there's no right answer I mean like we said there's no good or bad there's no right or wrong it's just I I just think it's helpful to think about it yeah and it's it's interesting too because it's so I can see why it's such a stressful thing now because I do think that you have more exposure it's more competitive that all that is true and you and everything is kind of I mean it's not like China where you're literally ranked in your class and like, you know, if you're number one or number two or number three. Right. And it's a really competitive thing. At least that's not what it's like here. But I mean, it's crazy to expect all of these things, right. From a parent, right. You have to have your kid be like smart and happy and educated and also have diverse interests and be able to like you know get them to do all these other different things right and it's crazy to me that that is something that is put on two people right and it shouldn't be (laughs) like (laughs) the nuclear family is wild yeah (laughs) no yeah down with the nuclear family (laughs) i mean literally if we look at history right there's all of these and even now right even now in other cultures right that's not you know western america it's this notion that you have two people right who have to basically especially when you're a baby right you're literally up like every three hours right take on this huge responsibility when it seems like such a healthier model to just have that be a community activity, right? And other people love helping out, I feel like, too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you have a good connection with somebody and they care about you, like, I would hope that they would also, if they're a part of your community. Like, but you don't think that necessarily because I think a lot of people are afraid to ask for that type of help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, we have somewhat been able to do that in the sense that kids can go to school, right? And that allows the parents to have some... Yes. Break from parenting. But I do think that that especially it has to do with the fact that on the one hand, it's a good thing that we're now valuing 
childcare, right? Highly, right? That's something that we should do because that is real work, right? However, it's the kind of thing where it's like, I feel like it's harder to ask for those kinds of things now because it's something that is now very monetarily, like, you know, you're asking for people's time, time. right? And that's like valued highly. Right? Yeah, time and, and sometimes resources. Right. right, yeah. Exactly. And so what's kind of weird to me is this notion that like now that we actually are, and I think it's very much because of feminism and a lot of the more, like liberal trends that have been happening, right, towards understanding how to value emotional labor and trying to get that to be more valued in our society this weird i think kind of adverse impact is that if you took that to the logical extreme right and if we really did value parenting teaching like all these things that like we typically don't or haven't very much in our society right we've we haven't really we've i think only very recently started to consider that to be unpaid labor that women do right if we value that the most highly in our society from a capitalism perspective, like we paid people the most to do that, that would also be this very dystopian world, right? It would still be equally as crazy. Well, it's, it's just dystopian to me because the types of people who would want a super high paying job are not the types of people you want to be taking care of your kids right or like the types of people who want to be like high powered ceos Uh right uh people who are like you know greedy people who are trying to like that gives the the assumption that all the high highest paying like yeah these billionaires and stuff but i think a lot of those assumptions are correct right a lot of those people okay okay then yeah okay then starting off with that basis right like a lot of those things i mean i do think that a lot of the people who are in power now who are power hungry right are probably people who you don't necessarily want taking care of your kids. Yeah. Right? Okay, I guess. Yeah. I'm like, why am I trying to defend that? <laughs> it's like, I agree, but I also am like, oh, like, it doesn't have to be like that. Like, But that's the thing is, I mean, if you look at, it's like one, I was watching the Democratic debates the other day with mm-hmm. my friends, and the I was like, why is it that all these politicians are so bad at acting like people (laughs) you know i don't know yeah like they only ever i mean partially i think it has to do with the format of the debates where you have literally 60 seconds and you have to answer immediately it doesn't give people time to think so of course you have to come in with a pre-prepared statement but it's also the types of people who want to be politicians right are typically just people who are like not your average like casual person right yeah they're they are like you know different types of people i think we're getting more or probably trending towards getting more diversity now hopefully but that is how it's been historically right and yeah. like do you want like you don't want trump to father your children right <laughs> you don't want but even like you know the the people who are kind of like not horrible you also don't want them to be <laughs> parenting your children yeah that's right? facts yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i i think um that's very true also back to the the a notion of like down with a nuclear family like yeah I totally agree with that I feel like uh lately I've been attending like so many high school graduation parties Uh, (laughs) I mean you've heard about it like these high school graduation parties are one they're lit like there's a lot of people a lot of celebration going on it's always a good time but two it also just makes me realize like how much of an emphasis at least in my community that family is that like your extended like aunts uncles friends or whatever like had a part in your upbringing like in your parenting um and so I, I totally forgot about that that um that like growing up I had like all of these resources like all of my aunts all of my uncles who were also equally taking care of me 
like in addition to my parents and I would also consider them like second parents or whatever yeah I really wish I had that I have nothing my experience is not even close to that my family is very defined by the traditional kind of white like waspy understanding of how parenting should be right it was really just my mom and my dad and my aunts and uncles were not like really a prominent part of my life when I was growing up yeah I don't even think they realized that it was also parenting right yeah like spending all that time with like young children yeah that's parenting like in a way well maybe they do I don't know I think I mean I do think some of them do but I don't think a lot of times people realize the big impact that they have like when you're hanging out with young kids too yeah until well, you can't later. not because you're so, when you're a kid, you just don't know anything. So everything can influence you, right? Right, right. And so you also do not fully recognize the impact that these people have had on your lives. Mm-hmm. And so that's also what I realized at these graduation parties. It's like, you know, a lot of people will be giving speeches, just like commemorating the graduate and like, you know, telling fun little stories about how they were growing up and blah, 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 blah. Um, but then it always comes back to like the reflection portion where it's like, wow, like I wouldn't be here without all these people who like were helping me throughout my childhood which is cool it's yeah yeah well one thing i want to i want to note since i don't know if everyone necessarily knows this is that the ethiopian community takes graduate high school graduation really <laughs> really seriously way more seriously than i took it or anyone i know <laughs> really Yo, took it. it's like your pre-wedding yeah yeah like people <laughs> rent out ballrooms people like really go all in like full catering dj yeah i did not get that kind of treatment (laughs) yeah it's a big thing (laughs) shout out to the ethiopian community (laughs) yeah and i think that's so cool too because i wish i really hate the fact that weddings are really the only big thing that it seems like people pull out all the stops to celebrate in kind of american culture Mm -hmm. um and i really really wish there were more things like that because like your wedding I don't know to me that's not really an achievement per se like yes it's nice to have a relationship and that's work and you have to maintain a relationship but like getting through high school is really like you did that you know I think so too man I hated (laughs) high school like (laughs) you did that like good job but yeah I think so I parenting conversation today's episode I feel like it's been really helpful to set up a foundation but yeah once again just want to remind everybody we're going to be coming back to a lot of these topics that we've touched on in season one um they're more so like big you know big picture how we're framing this podcast our perspectives and things like that in season two uh we're really going to be going deeper into these subjects and and trying to uh you know incorporate more articles and different uh thoughts and thought yeah and and bringing other people because yeah. i feel like that's this is kind of our perspective and that's like kind of the foundation so that you can always go back and kind of reference it but yeah yeah, yeah and just remember we're just two millennial women just trying to figure out the world so yeah So, Isabel, what are, you, what are you doing the rest of the day? Uh, well, I, not today, but I had this really cool... Um, I was in L.A. last week because I was traveling for work. And I went to the Long Beach Museum. Not the museum. I went to the Long Beach Aquarium. And they had cephalopod movie night, which was so cool. Cephalopods are like octopuses and squids. I was like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> and it was put on by... You know Atlas Obscura? No. 
Alice Obscura is this website where you, if you're traveling, it'll tell you these little known places. Like, you know, if you go to Paris, everyone goes to the Louvre, but they tell you about these kind of hole in the wall places that are also really cool and interesting. Mm -hmm. And so they're putting on this cephalopod movie night in a bunch of different aquariums around the world i think i don't know if it was the world or country but there are these three panelists afterwards and the moderator they're all cephalopod scientists and the moderator is asking them a question about if you weren't studying cephalopods what would you be doing and they were all like oh my life would have no purpose i would be depressed and i was like damn what they clearly really they this is like they care they're like the most passionate people about their careers of like anyone i've ever seen dude that's always so funny when i come across people like that yeah it's amazing. I know. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. That like yeah. it's refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, like I'm over here dying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm just hanging, hanging around. <laughs> some of my, some of my cousins are are out in uh, Georgetown, so I think we're gonna just scooter around. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, peace out, folks. Bye. Bye. Like, subscribe to the podcast, and we'll catch you next time. See ya.